0: Good evening, and welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry.
1: And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 2, Episode 10, Sanctuary. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast.
0: That's right, and if you do decide to follow us on Twitter, uh, just be aware that we do... Um, have some spoiler things for other star Trek shows on there in particular star Trek discovery and star Trek Picard as they were the most recent star Trek shows that are out. I do try to keep it light. Uh, keep it very simple, not to spoil it too much, but my overall excitement for all things Trek are <laughs> gonna, it's going to come out sometimes. So just a fair heads up. Other than that, try to keep it fun, keep it interesting. And I try my best not to deviate too much from things that are not Star Trek, or at least sci-fi related. So, right. uh, there you go. No politics, mainly. Just, just Trek. Right. right. So, there. So, yes. On that same vein, uh, I'd like to give everybody our brief little Trek updates that I'd like to do. Um, one, Discovery is officially over. The season. Season four is done. Um, we are now continuing with Picard. And I believe that... The Strange New Worlds uh, show is set to premiere next month. I'll double check on that. I believe believe that it's next month. So once again, we're supposed to be getting like a brief overlap of shows. Like Picard will be ending as Strange New Worlds is picking up. So there's like, I think there's like two or three episodes that are going to overlap there. And then that'll be it. And then Picard will be over and it'll just be Strange New Worlds. And then, after that, we'll get yet another overlap when Prodigy returns, and it'll be kind of the same thing. Strange New World's first season will be ending, and Prodigy will be coming back. So, I don't know if they're doing this on purpose, but I love <laughs> it. I love the constant um, overlap right now.
1: But it does sound I, pretty smart. Like, it gets you invested in the next show as the other one's wrapping up its season. So yeah. So, you can, you can very gently move over to whatever show is next. That's now I smart. Would,
0: Now, I will admit there, I had a little bit of trepidation when I heard about the plan seemingly to overlap everything, because it feels like it's like a super saturation of Star Trek. Because also keep in mind that while they're releasing these shows, there are several other shows that are also planned to go into production really soon, and there's rumor that they're actually going to be doing a couple of uh, movies, too. So I worry that we're going to get to the point where kind of where we were in what some considered kind of the golden age of Star Trek, which was, well the mid to late 90s when we had all of these shows that were on and movies were going and it just there was so much material and that you know enthusiasm for the franchise kind of dropped off by the time enterprise came around and enterprise never really got the fair shake that it needed to be a decent show so i'm just hoping that doesn't happen with the new stuff that's coming up and the stuff that's already out Um, But I think that it won't because, I mean, they've done a lot to invest in really good stories. And despite whatever negative you hear about any of the shows that are on (laughs) right now, if you just, like, try your best to not pay attention to any of that and just watch the shows and take in the story, they actually have pretty good stories. I think people just get bogged down in this whole, oh, it's too woke, or why did they gender swap, or why is this... Blue. I mean, there was even a whole argument recently as to why one of the ships didn't have carpet. Like that was a whole (laughs) argument for a week was why
1: there was no carpet. I'm not kidding. Perry, hold on. Is it that there was an argument about the carpet, or was it that you're so into Star Trek that you found that group of people arguing about carpet? Like, for all of us normies out there, we're all having a great time, and then Perry's looking out for all the carpet (laughs) arguers. (laughs)
0: As much as I would wish that that was truly a niche argument, it wasn't. (laughs) It was everywhere, even to the point where people were posting their own like um, reimagined uh 3D versions of the ship with carpet and what color and what it should be and why it had reasons everything for it and I was just like guys really
1: yeah
0: it really it's carpet <laughs> really <laughs> So it was, it, again, there's a lot of things out there that people, I feel like just, it's distractions. It doesn't mean anything. Just watch the shows and enjoy it. And um, finally, to speak about watching things, yes, it is confirmed. Star Trek The Next Generation is leaving Netflix. In fact, for Netflix in UK, it's already been pulled from um, from that part of the streaming platform. So the US is next. Again, uh, April 2nd is supposed to be the last day that you should get um, Next Generation on netflix in the u.s deep space nine is scheduled to leave in january of 2023 and then after that there will be no more trek on netflix so you will need to um re-evaluate whether or not you're going to keep your netflix subscription if that was why you had it or go to paramount plus which is where they're all going to be
1: right so gotcha yeah
0: now i know you were still watching deep space nine on netflix right david
1: i at this time I'm still on netflix for my deep space nine um so, I guess, I mean, I don't have any immediate plans on canceling Netflix for any other reason. So, I plan on watching it at least through there uh, until it goes off. And then, I guess, that's go to Paramount+. Plus. But, um, you were actually telling me, actually, this week, you, you had watched the first episode of the Halo show. And you had some thoughts yeah. there. If you want to briefly yeah. give us your thoughts there.
0: Yeah. So, I'll give you briefly two things. One... I am considering giving up my Netflix um, because I was mainly using it for Star Trek. That's, you know, that's just me. Right. Uh, Ran into a brief hiccup with that because I found out that my daughter actually has a lot of shows on Netflix that she likes. Oh, no. So so we may have to figure out a way to, like, transition her away because I'm certainly not going to pay this amount for one person to use, you know right whatever and then i was going through netflix myself to see if there were any shows that like i would be interested in found a bunch of stuff that like i had started watching but never finished so maybe i'll keep it until right. i can finally get through those shows and then we'll talk about moving on
1: gotcha um
0: in regards to halo uh i have a rule when it comes to tv shows and it's basically you know it's you get three you get 3 episodes and if you don't hook me by the end of the third episode, chances are I'm not coming back. I'm not going to watch the rest of it. Um unfortunately, right. you know and, and I was really excited about the Halo show, but unfortunately, it's pretty much I think I'm already ready to give it up. It um
1: in one episode.
0: In one episode, it deviated yeah. so far from the source material and from what I can tell, there's no reason for it. Like, one of the main draws of Halo is that, um, one, there's a lot of backstory. We get a lot about, like, the state of the, I guess the, I was going to say state of the world, but since it takes place on a more, you know, galactic stage, we right. kind of have this feeling of what the world is at this particular point when the games start. Now, of course, there's a bunch of books and things like that and companion materials that you can go into with Halo um, if you you want to. But if you're a person who just wants to stick with what we've seen in the games, then what we see in this episode, again, does not make any sense. It's a lot of extra stuff that, again, they just kind of threw it in there. It's almost like... Is this just to give people jobs or what? Because like, there's just characters who just don't make any sense. Right. Like they, they introduced a um, a female character who is clearly human, but is working with the aliens, which doesn't make any sense because the the Covenant believes that basically humanity is a scourge, is an inf- infestation, and that right. you know we, they need to be cleansed from from space from existence right so to have one that not only they're working with but also seems to have a lot of power and influence with the aliens it doesn't make sense and it's right. a character that's not mentioned anywhere right. so at least that i can remember from what i played in the games um you know right. and, and read of the books even uh myself um there's introductions of a couple of other characters um there's another young uh, female character who the Master Chief saved in the very beginning of of the episode. But no explanation as to who she is, her significance. I mean, she causes more problems than anything else. And it's not set up in a way that would make it to where like, oh, is this perhaps maybe like a flashback of a character who is important? And we're seeing like why this character became important. None of that. From what I can tell, the timeline of this show is basically... Um, shortly after the Spartan program has moved from prototype status into preliminary launch, right? So people are kind of familiar with the Spartans. They're aware of the Spartans' existence. They fought in a couple of skirmishes before, but right. they're, they're just not common yet. It's kind of where we are. So then, again, actions taken by people like the Master Chief, the Spartan, you know, actions right. taken by him. Don't make any sense because at that stage in the game, in the books and everything, he was a no-nonsense, diehard soldier. Right. So for the things that we see him doing in the episode, make no sense. Huh. He's disobeying orders. He's you know, just he's having emotions, he's flashback, like all these things, and you're just like, nope, none of that was <laughs> I don't know where they came up with that.
1: So it sounds like the show is having the very, very common problem of video game properties being transferred to the screen, you know, films particularly, but that just have a real bad track record of becoming films yeah. and TV shows. Yeah. and it. Well, and it's like, I,
0: that, I almost feel like if somebody is saying, we we like the premise, but we don't feel like the idea will work, and so they add in a bunch of things that they feel like will make it work, right. but they're just... They're awful. They're one dimensional. They're incredibly flat. Right. Um, and then they just drop the ball on other things that could kind of help that a little bit. You know, like sometimes right. when you have like a weak actor or a weak scene, you could punch that up a little bit with maybe a bit more action or with a better visual effect or a, just better scenery and background. Right? right. It could kind of enhance or not necessarily enhance, but it will take away from some of the other more glaring mistakes, soften them a bit. They don't do that here. They don't do that at all. Right. and for it to be coming from paramount which especially we know specializes in aliens and cgi and that kind of sci-fi fantasy you know genre for them right. to fail so much on something that is so easily established clearly right. established now for a couple of decades it's it's unforgivable Yeah. And I think that's why I won't be returning. It would be different if this was any other network doing this and this is their first time out. And if they didn't have as much material as they do have from Halo to go off of, but man, they just, they really missed it. And the biggest, the biggest mistake I feel was in the reveal of the Master Chief's face. Right. Now, if, if anybody who's played the game, you know, it's a first person shooter. You know, we never see the Chief's face. That's right. Part of the appeal, because it puts you thats it puts you in in the suit. You are yeah. picturing that as yourself. Right. And that's one of the draws. And the thing is, I know that people could argue, oh, well, they can't really do that with a TV show. But they can. Right. Easily. They have filmed POV shots countless times. And even in this episode, there were multiple POV shots. And if you wanted to even do that third-person out-of-body, kind of like the cinematic moments right. that you'd have in the game, easily done there right. was never a need for this character to take their helmet off and if you still felt that was something you needed to do why they chose to do it in the first episode versus right. maybe waiting all season or maybe yeah. even to season it. two or whatever oh my god and it's yeah. it just it 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 completely takes you out of the game you're now right. focused on him being like that's that's the Master Chief. Like, yeah, it's really? it's the
1: perfect case, it sounds like like I haven't seen it. It sounds like the perfect case of your imagination is always able to provide more than what you can get. And so sometimes answering a question that didn't need to be answered actually is actually a bad idea because it mm-hmm. undermines the like the mystery of the thing. And it would have been fun, I would imagine, like if the if the directors and the the cinematographers had this little game they had to play as they did the show of we'll never film a scene in such a way that the chief's face is revealed that could have been the thing um i know that right now you and i were talking about this that that's basically kind of what's been going on with the the mandalorian show is oh yeah. The, yeah mando doesn't show his face either but and that's the reveal at the end of season one of Mandal- mandalorian is he has to at least we the audience see his face um, but i feel like because You know, Halo has been around since, gosh, what, 2000 or 2001, 2002? It's been, yeah, something like that. 20,
0: 20 something odd years of of games.
1: Yeah, it's got, they got a precedent for it. So, yeah, I agree that they did already show the face of the character already in the first episode, that is. Yeah. Uh, Oh, well.
0: There's a a, a lot of useless, a lot of useless scenes, a lot of characters that they seem to just. I, again, they just deviated so much from what we already knew of those characters. It's like they didn't trust what was already established. You know, Catherine Halsey, Miranda Keys, these are characters that we see a lot of throughout the games, and, you know, we know their characteristics. Right. To suddenly see those characters that are just there really in name only, like the rest of everything else about them has changed, it just makes no sense. Right. So. Uh, I just have to say, you know, as much as I again, I try to give every show a chance. I just don't know if I'm going to make it to three. Right. With this one, I just I was so disappointed in what I saw that right. I think that you know, yeah, might not might not get there. Gotcha. Wow. So well,
1: we'll have to hear more.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I I don't know. I'm I'm debating it because you know, obviously the new episode comes out this week, right? Uh, the next episode, and uh, I'll well, by the time this airs. We'll be coming up on the third episode, so we'll see if I make it to three. Gotcha, gotcha. But we're not here to talk about any of those things. No. (laughs) We're here to talk about Deep Space Nine. Yeah. The the show that's 30 years old, but still somehow manages to maintain its relevance even today. So, David, before we go any further, would you like to give our recap this week?
1: I can do it for us, shall I? I? Let's do it. Go ahead. All right, so this episode is Sanctuary. Uh, again, we're gonna try to make these recaps a little bit briefer in the past, so I'll skip ahead a little bit, uh, or I'll skip. I'll skip through it a little bit faster than we have in the past. Um, so Kira is uh, going to um, the Cisco's office. He is trying to get the duty roster from her, and she's been distracted by politics back on Bajor. She's been trying to talk to the ministers and trying to get certain things accomplished, and she's always frustrated that they're too busy. They don't have time for this. They argue all the time. She can't get things done. Um, and one of the things that she can't get done is she has invited on a particular Bajoran musician who is uh, able to play in Cork's bar because she's asked Cork for him to play. And he wants, for example, a, a new music hall built, mm-hmm. but she can't get anything done. And Cork is unhappy with the. With this musician being in his bar, because the musician distracts everyone from playing and from drinking and eating. But that's just how things are. Um, so our episode uh, really gets going, though, when they, uh, the, on ops, they see a ship come through the wormhole. And they beam aboard the four members of the ship, because the ship was damaged. And they're unable to communicate, at least initially. Uh, the universal translators having difficulty getting a hold of their language and making it so that everyone could understand each other, and so it becomes clear that there are there's one woman and three men, two adult men and one like teenage boy, um, and the woman is the leader of this little group and she only really responds positively to Kira. Uh, all the men she interacts with, she reacts to ne- kind of negatively or at least not very. Uh, she's a little cautious around them. Um, once they finally get the Translator working though, they reveal that this is a, a race of people that are escaping. Um, a, they were three. There are three million of this race who are the Screans. The Screans who were uh, being used as basically slaves on this one planet by this one race, but that impressive race was just recently defeated by the Dominion. So this is our yes. second reference to D- the Dominion. Yes. So I know that'll be important though. I know no details as of yet. Um, and so all of these uh, scre- sc- screens are currently searching for what they're calling the eye of the universe, which uh, they believe now that this one woman and her three men have found it is the wormhole. So the wormhole they came through was the eye of the universe and their sacred texts that, the sacred text said that they were going to, they originated on a planet through the eye of the universe that uh, something about sorrow and they're going to plant their seeds of joy. Um, so the screens now start coming through the wormhole and you know the, the space station, Deep Space Nine, can only hold about 7,000 people. But there are 3 million people that are apparently uh, about to come through the wormhole because oh, now yeah. they've found how a way to come through. So, now the question becomes, how, what does Bajor do about this? Because the Screens under uh, this woman, whose uh, name I have not mentioned, Hanik, she is basically made the leader of all three million of them because she's the one who found the eye of the universe, the wormhole. Uh, And so she believes that, well, looks like Bajor is the planet we were prophesied to come to. And... That's kind of a problem because Bajor, as we just said, has been having a lot of problems. Their government is still very conflicted, still in a lot of trouble. There's a, um, a famine going around. So they have, they have their own problems. So yeah. when the Scrians ask, can we, you know, come and populate the northern peninsula, you know, we're a farming people. The Bajorans say, no, we, we don't have the resources for our own people. We couldn't take on three million more people. Um, we have no way to trust that you know you would be able to successfully immigrate to be on our planet. And if something went wrong, then we'd have you to deal with. So it's just not in our interest to do that. And during this time, our group, um, Cisco, has led the group in finding another planet for these people to go to. Um, now, the woman, Hanique is upset about this. She thinks that Bejor is the planet that they should have gone to, but mm-hmm. as we've just determined, that's not what the Bajorans want. And so the Bajorans say that the uh, that the Screeans are not allowed to land. And so Hanique's son who I believe is Tumak Tumak, yes. Yeah, he um, is a rough child. Uh, basically the way there's this civilization works is the females are the leaders because the men always fight amongst themselves. Very and aggressive,
0: so- brutish group, the men.
1: Yes. And so her son, who had been um, very angry at a, at a prank that Nog had played on him with some, like, stink spray earlier, uh, he commandeers a ship with two others, and they try and go down to the planet, to Bejor, but uh, they're unable to communicate properly. Their ship is damaged. Two interceptors from Bajor come to turn the ship around and are ready to fire on it. Um, we have a tense moment where... We have Cisco talking with the general of the Bajorans trying to get them to stop shooting, uh, but then they get shot upon and they shoot back, but the ship the screen ship blows up uh, because the, the plasma radiation is ignited in the firefight. So he, they weren't directly hit and killed necessarily, but what happens is the Haneek's son dies. Yes. And so Hanique, uh, she is angry before this little incident happened, she had claimed that Kira, who they had to develop a relationship, Kira and Hanika developed a friendship. She blames Kira for failing to give them space on Bajor. She uh, is now lost her son. And so as the screens uh, leave the station to go to this other planet that Sisko and the others had found for them, she says, you were so damaged. Um, you Bajorans were so you know, traumatized by your experience with the Cardassians. You weren't willing or are unable to trust others And I feel sorry for you. And basically leaves on a real sour note. And uh, I think that's pretty much the highlights of the episode. Anything I missed there, Perry?
0: No, nothing that we can't get into. And also, people can't go and find out themselves by going and watching the episode. And you should go and watch it. And I do tend to enrich you all with my deep dive on this episode. So go watch (laughs) it. And then come back and see if I'm correct or if I've changed your perception of the episode. Because this episode frequently gets downvoted. So that's why I wanted to do another deep dive on this one, because if you pay attention, there's actually a lot more to this yeah. than you think, and it actually makes the episode better when you know some things. So
1: okay. go well, watch go, it. I'll come go back. Ahead. Okay, yeah, go watch everyone. Come back. I would assume that if they got this far in, man, that they've they've watched it, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I would, like to,
0: I would like to think so. I would like to think at this point everybody knows I'm going to say it. I'm going right. to say a... Go watch it and then come back or probably just like, hey, we've already watched it. Shut up and get there already. But right. for the uninitiated, go watch There you it. go. Come back.
1: Um, so I, I wanted to say that I definitely think this episode is a little bit lower on my list. I feel like this yeah. episode had more potential that it was trying oh, yeah. to get to. And again, like our last episode, I think we said this about last episode, it didn't have the time to examine everything that it was trying to get to.
0: You're exactly right. And I think that's exactly why this episode kind of gets, it's frequently the one that gets downloaded because right. there is a lot, but you, one, have to be paying attention like from beat one of the episode. And then two, um, they just don't have the time to dive into every single thing. So you, there is a lot that's missing. And you kind of have to, again, pay attention from like the moment the episode starts. And then you got to make a couple of connections yourself because they, they don't explicitly tell you a couple of things. You just, okay. again, have to hear the dialogue. And, you know, to a certain degree, you kind of got to read about the episode afterwards, you know, because there were mm-hmm. some things that were going on that we didn't hear. So here's the things I'm going to point out to you that will help to make this episode, I feel, a little bit better for you. Number one, in the very beginning of the episode, Kira is called into Cisco's office because she has not turned in a report. Yes. And when Cisco calls her out on why she has not turned in the report, he says, she says, I've just been on with whatever Vedic or minister or whatever, right. trying to get them. And Cisco cuts her off and he says, Yeah, you were trying to get them to irrigate the Trilar Peninsula. Okay. Right. So we know there is this massive barren wasteland area right. that used to be. Flourishing, but now isn't, and Kira is trying to get something done about that and that and her trying to get that done is sacrificing her duties uh, right. on the station now the reason that's important is because later on in the episode when Hanique shows up, when Hanique and the other screen show up and they talk about the fact that they're farmers and then and then Hanique makes the decision for the group to go to Bejor because Bejor is their mythical planet of Kantana. One of the areas that Hanik is asking for them to settle in is the Peninsula region, yes. which is where Kira was trying to get farming to happen in anyway. So there's right. this barren wasteland. We also know that there is a famine going on on Bajor. Right. So you have a whole group of farmers right? who that's their whole thing is turning nothing into something. right? And there's a whole area that no one can live in. No one can operate. And you have a whole group of people who are like, We'll do it. We'll do it for you. Right. There's your. There's part of your main conflict. Now, again, you had to be paying attention because that was at the very beginning of the episode, and you don't hear it mentioned again until probably about 10 minutes before the episode ends, 10 to 12 minutes until it ends. So, big leap of time there, but yes. you don't hear
1: this. A seed was planted early on that comes to full fruit much later. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So... We also get to see a little bit more of the Bajoran xenophobia rearing its head. Yeah. And at first, you know, because for a lot of the episode, we are, or not just the episode, but even the series, it deals a lot with, we're bringing the Bajorans out of this very oppressive time in their history. They're trying to get over the occupation and the subjugation at the hands of the Cardassians, and they're trying to rebuild their society. And here we right. have this musician who Kira is clearly on very friendly terms with, who's playing this very somber uh, music in in Quarks. And as much as he goes from advocating for the opening and the rebuilding of music halls, he's the one who tells Kira, not another Vedic or another Bajoran minister or whomever. He's the one who tells Kira basically that, the screens and their request is going to be denied. So it clearly shows this man already has some sway. Why he needed Kira in the first place, beyond me. If he's able to find out what the ministry is going to, um, going to do right. before they've announced it to anybody, even Cisco, it's kind of to me that was always kind of suspicious. I was like, why, why do you need her to intercede for you to build a music hall if you've got. If you already know what the top ministers, the very people who are gonna to come to the station to make a proclamation, how do you already know that?
1: Well, you I know? would I was reading his his saying that more as a I I understand the tea leaves in front of me. Not only is my music call not getting answered, but I'm sure this won't.
0: <laughs> I mean I could I could see how you could take it that way, but from when I was watching it, it just felt like he said it with such
1: Oh yeah, he confidence. says it. Yeah, he says it. I would definitely agree that you're right there. He, when he says it, it's almost like he's like throwing it in their face. Even he's like, "Oh yeah, right. you guys aren't gonna make it. I, I already right. know how it's gonna go. It's almost like, flippant at the way he yeah. says it. Yeah.
0: He's like, just tell them, tell them we're sorry, but make them understand that we're sorry, but we can't, we can't have them. We right. can't have them there.
1: Oh, and here's a little present of me playing my music. Like right. my present, my gift to you is me. <laughs> I loved that moment. I was like. Like I get it that it's music. Like he's giving up. Someone's playing their music, but in that moment, it just came off as very self-aggrandizing because it's me playing my music. (laughs) But anyway, I mean that's one of those
0: things that you know Star Trek always tries to uh, tries to do, and I feel like it's the little, it's a trivial thing they fail on consistently, which is trying to import cultural significance to far-flung futuristic things you know, it's, it's hard for us to see that in any kind of way as being meaningful because we're like, we're not there yet. Basically we right. haven't evolved to that level where that would be, that would be right. okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, um, and what else? So then another thing too, for me, that was a, was an issue was the way in which the interceptors shot down, uh, Tumac and his ship, you know, um, There was a lot of communication going on. Cisco and Kira are clearly in real-time communication with the Interceptors. They're also in real-time communication with the General on on Bejor. And yet, for some reason, his ability to transmit a message to the Interceptors to get them to stand down comes a few seconds too late. And it's just like, if y'all can all talk to each other. Yeah. Why is that relay?
1: It it so almost looked like he was slow. typing something off screen as as, as right. instructions. When they're all of them communicating, all, on the all same talking. channel. Right. Yeah,
0: you're all talking; <laughs> like they can literally hear you. So just tell them, right. and that would have solved the problem. You know, right? Um, yeah. So just just a lot of little things like that that kind of stand out to me that you know, I could see could could bother some people. And if you and again, if you weren't paying attention to everything, you wouldn't um. Right. Get it, and now and, and to another thing that you said during your recap, you said that Tumac was a troubled kid. Now, yes, he was, but the reason that he stole the ship, at least in my opinion, didn't necessarily have anything to do with being sprayed by Nog. Oh,
1: that I, was more. So that was my insinuation, if that's what you heard yeah. me say. No, yeah. Well,
0: it it yeah, but it's it's more it's kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back. Basically, here was a kid who he's probably been on a ship more than he's been on an actual planet anywhere you know right we, we don't know how long it's been since they were on whatever planet where they were being subjugated the race that was that was brutalizing them was called the tarogarans and then right. they, the, the tarogarans got beat by the dominion and then they the the Screens were able to get free and they've been wandering space from what hanik says for eight years well that kid looks to be about Probably 16, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. So at least half his life has probably been spent on a ship traveling yeah. through space, probably being told by one planet after another, one group after another, to go away, to keep moving, right?
1: right. Well, and he's the here, first one who even speaks when they get when on yeah. the board, and he, like, yells in his language which, yeah. before the communicator can figure that out. Um, yeah. When I say troubled kid, I mean, like, not only are the men portrayed as kind of brutish – but like when he's actually talking, he doesn't come off as dumb. He just comes off as like a troubled teen, aggressive yeah, troubled he teen. He was very
0: he was very guarded. I mean, we, and we do see a softer moment with between him and Jake, you know, later on. And he yeah. kind of expresses the Jake Yeah, he just doesn't want to leave. And I don't right. think that it's because he suddenly latched onto being on the station so much as he's just tired of of traveling. He's tired of having to go from place to place while they look for their mythical home or whatever. He just sounds like he just wants to be on a planet somewhere and just, that's it. Just be done with it all. So yeah, very troubled kid for sure. Very isolated. And perhaps that's why he's so aggressive and and their, their men in general are so aggressive. They just, they don't have anything else for him to do. They're cooped up on ships. Right. We don't know, we don't know a whole lot about their society. So I'm making some, some leaps here, but I'm just saying, you know, I could imagine being shuffled around like that all the time has got to be traumatizing, to say the least.
1: Right. Oh, yeah, I'm 100% sure that's true. That would totally make sense. I guess, for me, the reason I think that this is kind of important, though, whether he's a troubled kid or not, is because I didn't ever really believe and understand, and really, I wasn't convinced by the idea that this species is a female-dominated species. Like, the men were kind of brutish... You know, she has two, not husbands, but males that she has in her bed. Um, but when we actually see the boy talk and interact, he comes off as aggressive, but I didn't sense anything about him that was different than any other kid who would be as we've yeah. just talked about kind of traumatized by these experiences. It didn't yeah. seem like he was unique. It like he, he wasn't a good expression of the uniqueness of his a female species. dominated society. Yeah. I, like, I would yeah. have much rather them throw out the female dominated society aspect in order to really hammer home this whole, this, this story is about, um, immigrants of, 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 um, of, oh gosh, what am I trying to say? Um, refugees there we go refugees
0: i was gonna yeah. say yeah. They're, they're they're refugees they're in a sense they're they're very much like the bajorans they are yes. from a war-torn planet you know right. that they they're all even hanik says all their leaders were killed right you know and they have this new kind of ragtag life of some three million of them crammed onto various ships right and yeah they're they're seeking some kind of yeah, they're seeking asylum basically yes.
1: yeah
0: and um And it's like that desire for uh, a new home, a peaceful home, is then running into this very xenophobic – I I, I wouldn't want to call it racist, but um, definitely xenophobic because, again, the – the Bajorans have been brutalized themselves by outsiders. Yes. And, you know, having another group, they were already very uneasy with the Federation coming in. Even though the Federation was like, we're just here to help, no one's coming to live on your planet from us. Yes. We're yeah. just here to help you guys kind of rebuild. But now here comes, this is our this is really like our second major group of aliens to come through the wormhole that we've seen. And they're not just coming through, like passing through like the Wadi people were and Move Along Home. They're coming here to set up Shaw, you yeah. know, Perfect and they were wanna...
1: what would you say the, the first major species was to compare? So Wadi. Okay. Cause we've had a number of species, but the Wadi kind of came and went and we've had other species kind of come and yeah, go. That's
0: what I'm saying. Like they're, yeah. so they're the first, the Wadi were the first major species to come through. Okay. They were the first True. ones to come through and that yes. we actually see for any period of time on the station. Right. Okay. Then yes, there were some other ones, but i believe that the next, you know, uh, was, um, that we see with any long term is uh, the dozai, which was in Rules of acquisition. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, and that and which now is just here, a few episodes yeah, again. and now here we are. And so here we have this other group, and again, they're not they're not coming and just moving on through or conducting business with an intention to go back or anything like that. Right, like because again, both the the Wadi came through and the dozai came through, but they also went back. Right. The screens are like, no, we're coming and we're here to stay and we've got 3 million of us <laughs> yeah. that you're going to have to contend with. So yeah. I could kind of get that fear when you've already been brutalized by this other group for 50 years. You're just now trying to get yourself back on your feet and all of a sudden here comes this other group, millions of them. Right. And you don't know anything about them. You don't know what they're bringing, what they're about, their society, nothing. All they've told you so far is that they're farmers. Now, that's also another thing they kind of left off here in this episode is that we're we're to kind of interpret that they're not just farmers. They're like miracle workers.
1: They're like
0: – Yeah yeah right. you know a dry sand bed into a flowing river you know they, these are yes. the you know they just touch the soil and crops sprout up like that's kind of how they were so, She's supposed been, to be She says
1: we're farmers the whole time like when they yeah. first can communicate like we're farmers we're farmers right yes yeah they're
0: so, so that's kind of the thing that we that was also kind of lacking in the message as to what the Screens bring they're not just any kind of farmers they're like Super farmers, so like they are the ones you want. So again, right. with with Bajour facing a famine, you'd want some of these guys around because, heck, you know, few months they're feeding everybody, and then some, yeah. you got a surplus. That's how they were supposed to be built, but we missed right. out. We
1: missed. Well, out no, I, I would say I got that. The reason I would say I think this episode kind of failed is because they make that claim, or at least this the the main leader does. I forget her name at the moment. I don't have it in Anique. front of me. Anik. So she makes that case that we're great farmers, but they she has no way, she has no chance to prove herself. Therefore, yeah. it's just a claim, and the Bajorans don't have time and to to test that out. I mean, maybe maybe they're great, but I mean, come on, they're coming from a different part of the gal, yeah. the universe, different quadrant. They're coming as refugees. Um, how do they know that they can? have the same food and you know there's so many questions that have to be answered yeah. so that's why when i say this episode ends with her acting all sour like we have to go to another planet it's like you guys are gonna be fine you yeah you that's space- the other
0: thing too yeah, yeah the, the federation found them a great planet like we see the right. picture that dax has pulled up when she's talking to kira and, and cisco about it right. i mean it's it's got the the lush greenery there's clouds in the background mountain peaks Big old trees. You know, basically, it's Southern California, but on a planet. Right. And he, even Cisco is saying it. It's got, you know, temperate summers, mild winters. You got a long growing season. You got everything you could need, especially if you're a farmer, ideal conditions to establish a thriving farming community with seemingly very little effort on in, in terms of, like, tilling the soil or any of that stuff. You right. Know? Yeah. So, why they wouldn't want to go there um, is beyond me, because I was thinking yes. about it, and it's just like, I understand kind of your fixation on Bajor, because of your whole religious mythos and Katana
1: Kata- right. and all that, but, right. I mean, you get a whole planet to yourself. Well, that's you why, get... <laughs> like, what I would have done with this episode if I could have, is instead of making this a, well, we had this this idea planted. They've come... From our side of the wormhole, apparently. They originate on our side. So if the story was, yeah, Bajor was their home planet once upon a time. And they're an offshoot of the Bajorans. And they want to come home. There you go. There's a story. We got more refugees on hand. These are your people, long lost. Do you tell them, well, you guys left us a long time ago and you're coming back and we don't want you here anymore. You need to go find your own planet. Do we give them the peninsula? I mean, the whole bit about them being great farmers, blah, blah, blah. But if you can give me a genetic proof that these two species are actually one species, they're the one, they are cousins. Oh man, that could have been that interesting. Yeah, yeah, that would have
0: been, that would have been interesting too, to see that, especially considering the occupation. And how yes. many Bajorans were killed and mutilated and everything else. Right. For them to recover a piece of their history in the form of Hanik and her people who are distant cousins. Right. Yeah. It That would have been a great touch for this episode. And, you know, considering what I know about the show and later on, that would have been an <laughs> interesting thing ah. to play off of for some other things. So we'll have to put a little, right. little pin in this whole what if the screens were Bajoran cousins. Right. And we might revisit this. Later on, no, it's several seasons from now, from what I'm thinking, anyway. Sure. So hopefully I remember. <laughs> hopefully I remember. Yeah. You know, come
1: back in two years from now and remember <laughs> so if you remember
0: this. Yeah. See so, yeah, we'll have to go back and do another kind of recap. You know. Right. Um. So yeah, but I mean, I I can see why people struggle with this episode, but there are so many great things that we see. Um. But you just. I think you have to watch this one a couple of times to get them all.
1: Yeah, I guess I would just, as you said, this this episode does plant some seeds in the storytelling that um, open it up to, you know, it's deeper than it might come off on the surface. Um, but mm-hmm. as I've said, I think it it, it's lack, it lacks the opportunity to fully flesh out its storyline simply for, it's only 40 minutes that we can tell these stories. And this is right. this is the type of story that requires more time to tell. Yeah. Um, So, for example, I would have skipped past the whole learning the language, the universal translator having trouble at the beginning part, and gotten to the more serious questions about immigration and refugees and what – like, the fact that we don't see the Bajoran government argue this stuff makes sense in the sense that, you know, we don't ever see them argue anything. But we don't get any sort of preliminary. We just, oh, this woman's here to tell us that the answer is no. No. And, like, I I knew they were going to say no because no one had ever given me a good argument for why they should say yes after everything we've heard about the Bajorans having trouble. Like, there was no strong argument on anyone's side, other than the idea that they're good farmers, that they would be welcome. The Bajorans have so many things on their hands. They don't have time to settle anybody. Um, But if someone from the government could have come up and been, like, made the argument—let me put it this way— Kira didn't ever make the argument publicly to the Bajoran people that they're great farmers and therefore they could help us. That is what the woman insinuates Kira should have done. We don't see her ever make the argument herself. Kira has never given the opportunity to go up to home plate and you know take a swing at it. Yeah. Um, we just hear that they've said no. Um, and their arguments all make sense is, you know, like the, the Vedic says, you know, we would feel compelled to help you if you guys were struggling and we don't have the resources to do that. Our people would suffer. Um, yeah, I just feel like this episode could have really given us some Well, good. T- yeah. I don't know. Just and I and like- this
0: episode, and this episode does something that, you know, again, that Trek, continuously tries to do in all the franchises and it is that it's trying to put their own spin on contemporary issues or or issues that would have been contemporary at the time
1: sure. so as
0: our kind of segue into a little bit of a of a ninety segment the
1: here 90s. you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yes our main thing that we could talk about here is the status of refugees in in the world, you know, and and what was going on, you know, back in the 90s there was a huge problem because we had the dissolution of Yugoslavia and from that, you know, you had the the conflict in um in uh Croatia
1: okay. and
0: in um Bosnia? Bosnia, yes thank you, sorry
1: Um, (laughs) I don't even know why I know that name
0: it's just like, uh yeah, and so I mean, so you had these two groups of people that were displaced by the war, and some of them just were displaced in neighboring countries, I know a lot of um, Bosnians and uh, Serbian people also uh, immigrated into the United States, and you know, you kind of see some of that going on here in the United States and in other countries as well this um, amped up xenophobia that was going on and also trying to figure out what kind of aid to offer these people as they're moving from their war-torn countries into our neighborhoods you know i remember when i was um in high school when we had a large population of bosnians that moved into our city and it was like a big to-do i remember you know just going to Going to school, the weeks leading up, it was like there was just one particular day where they all seemed to just—we knew they were coming—and it was all anybody could talk about right. was this big group of Bosnians that were coming into into our city.
1: Right. And
0: um, I mean, I, I think I was—I was fourteen, so right. I mean, it's just it, it, to me, it had no bearing on my life. But then all of a sudden, there were like two or three hundred new kids at my school, right. And, you know, I, I, you know, they, everybody, they stuck to each other. They were just, they only ever hung out with each other. And yeah. It was very hard to get to talk with any of them. I think I got, I ended up talking with a few of them, but I got lucky because they played sports. So yeah. that's kind of like an instant end for you. Oh, If sure. you could play sports you or anything like gotta that, it's have something to,
1: to work yeah. on and talk about. It's hard to just. Walk up to someone and make friends. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that makes sense. So
0: I was able to make friends with a few of them, but only because they played sports and so did I. But even yeah. then, it was just like we just we talked at school, we talked at sporting events, and we talked uh, like that was about. And then it was only about school or those sporting events. Yeah. Talking about their home life or where they came from or any of that stuff didn't happen. Right. You know, trying to find out things about them didn't really happen they just weren't interested in really sharing with people who were not in their in their group yeah
1: oh I'm sure that's that that totally makes sense I mean yeah I'm sure learning a whole new language alone is just enough to make you yeah Yeah. But I
0: could, but I also know that, you know, I remember, you know, seeing other people react to them and, and because of that closeness and, you know, they're looking at them and they're, everybody's looking at them and, you know, you got these weird packs of people that are walking around and you're just like, why is everybody staring at each other? You know, yeah. and it was just, you could see it. And I'm, I didn't recognize what it was then, but looking back on it now and being like, it was just, it was fear. They, they knew nothing about us. Right. They were, they were not here. Because they wanted to be here, they didn't come to our neighborhoods and our schools because right. they were like, "That's it. That's the place where I want to live." That no, they were forced here. Their right. homes were destroyed, their families were killed, things right. like that. They were they were that what was left. Right. And for whatever reason, we had people who accepted them in our neighborhood, and we had people who didn't. And I remember right. they were being. I remember there being those conflicts at night, you know, and my mom being so upset and us talking about moving many times because there were just there was just so many things that were going on and um she didn't want us to be a part of it at all. Right. And I was a fourteen year old kid who had a couple of friends who were getting picked on and I was already pretty big then so (laughs) I was a stupid teenager who ran out and was, you know, involved in things that probably I shouldn't have been involved in. Nothing (laughs) nothing criminal I would say, but I would just, you know, Kind of like the kids here, you know, in the episode, you know, boys get together and you get riled up and before you know it, you know, you're just, you're, you're fighting when you shouldn't be fighting when you should have been home or whatever, you know? So I'm very thankful that like nothing serious ever really occurred with any of that. But um, yeah, it, it, it can be very difficult. Yeah. And I was, I was very much on the outside, the fringes of that. I couldn't imagine coming from that kind of, that, that kind of life where you know your home had been blown up you know oh, or yeah. somebody that you knew they didn't just die they were murdered you know like I, that's just I, I, just unimaginable for a kid and oh, now yeah. you know not to touch too much on politics of the day but we're kind of seeing the same thing with this whole ukraine situation yeah that's going yeah. on you know we're beginning to see uh similar uh tracks here right so man but yeah i just um when I see this whole thing about you know, the refugee status here with, this, with the Scrians and the Bajorans, once again, I think this was, this was Star Trek's way of trying to comment on something that was going on at the time. And, right. of course, they can't really offer a solution because we didn't have one at the time. Yeah. And they can't give us something like that and wrap it up in 40 minutes and say, this is the solution that everybody needs. But Star Trek was, is always about the conversation and making the conversation happen. And if you're uncomfortable with it, that's on you. It's not going to make the situation go away. It's not going to resolve it any any further. You can't just ignore it. You can't just say, that's not my life, that's not my problem, because it is. And that's what Star Trek has always been about, and I believe this episode exemplifies that, as do all the other Trek shows when they have their episodes that deal with things along these lines. That's their point.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I um, I would say that, you know, I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, like uh, Law and Order, I think it's SVU in particular, is kind of known for its right off the headline storytelling. Yes. And uh, Star Trek is able to give this type of story a chance to breathe, where a show like Law and Order couldn't. Um, yeah. it, it's not operating on that type of scale, where this show is. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah, Law & well, Order deals a lot with, um, like you said, rip from the headlines, and it's also trying to give you what the, as close to the real-world solution would be. So if there's a law in place or whatever, they very much base that final decision off of that. So, right. yeah, not very easy for the good guys to come out making the best decisions on right. that. It takes a lot of maneuvering.
1: Yeah. I also have to say that part of the reason I don't, I wasn't a, a fan of this episode At the end. Um, let me pull up her name. What's her name? Skria. Well, that's the people. Um, Hanik. Hanik. Yeah. Hanik. She's all like, Oh, I, you know, Kira comes in with this dress that they had been looking at when they couldn't understand each other. And Kira thinks that she liked the dress. And then she's like, no, it's ugly. It's hideous. And Kira's like, I thought so too. And they bond over this dress. Like, okay, fine. And then, you know, Kira, agrees with the Bajoran government's solution of, you know, they can't settle on this planet. And Mm -hmm. she immediately turns on Kira. She's like, I thought you were my friend. And you blah, 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 blah. It's like, she immediately gets just kind of nasty. Frankly, it's like Mm -hmm. you have been a perfectly fine, reasonable person all through this episode, as far as I can tell. But then you turn on Kira and you get like, is this your attempt to, Get them to change their minds is to have your this this aggressive, nasty kind of attack on like Kira, and so I, and then at the end of the episode, she's like, "You Bajorans are so traumatized by your experience with the Cardassians." It's like, uh, yeah, like we've been watching the show for a you know a season and a half almost at this point. We understand. The Bajorans trauma with the Cardassians. They're still meddling in our in their politics, as we yeah. saw with that three-part episode, and then the one about the, the orphaned Cardassian boy. So we know that the Cardassians are not some long lost enemy. They're still right. there. They're
0: still there. They're still and, very much around doing Yeah.
1: Things. And so I think it's another reason why I think this episode kind of struggled for me. is because it's like neither side got a full chance to explain their position to the other. Uh, they, the Bajorans couldn't say fully, you know. Look, we just had a whole series of anti- uh, alien, you know, terrorists nearly take over the government. <laughs> like our government nearly, you know, expelled not, it, and th- killed all foreigners at all together. So we are not in a position to even accept anyone else. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, again, I mean, it's that severe, that, that severe line of xenophobia that's running through all Bajorans. I mean, keep saying it over and over again, but that's exactly what it is. Right. You know, um there's they have such an intense fear of the other and we saw that exemplified like you just said many many times throughout season one and we're just now in season two and they're not over it you know yes. they're still not over it and we're and the more Bajorans that we see the more we see that again they're not over it and just because we're watching Kira as she goes through her own evolution and her own changes as she's gradually gradually becoming more accustomed to working with cisco and the others and that that does not mean the same thing is happening down on the planet if anything right. people like vedic Wynn who come up and they just they're so they're so impactful with the few moments that we see them there or minister jarro when he was leading the circle you know we know that these people are down on beijor every day they have influence they're leading these people and you know, this new minister that we see come up, um, her name is Razan. She's the minister um, who comes up to deliver the negative decision, you know. Yes. Um, we, we know nothing about her. Yeah. I mean, she could have been just as evil as Jaro, or, you know, she could have been more compassionate like we saw of Vedic brile She certainly sounds that way, and she's trying to present a very logical argument here um, about, you know... Even if you guys are great farmers, if something mm-hmm. goes wrong, right, we would be obligated to take care of three million of you, and we just can't. Right, we just can't. Right, and and that's kind of the the short of it. And so you're right. At the end, when Hanik comes to her or turns to Kira and really turns on her and is like, "Yeah, you're not my friend," and Bajor is not Quintana, and and, and so forth. Yeah, you know, yeah, she, you do get the feeling that she was being unreasonable and that she yeah. was really just kind of. Going to score points, you know, with with Kira, trying to hit her as much as she could, and she did. Right. So you could see the effect that it had on Kira because the whole time, yeah, Kira has been trying to
1: help her and her people the whole time. And and also no good deed goes unpunished. (laughs) Right.
0: And 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 also the fine point of it is it's not like they turn them away without an option. It's not like they shoved them back into their broken down, dirty ships and just said, keep wandering. No, they're like, there right. is a whole planet. No one's on it. It's pristine right. untouched. I
1: want to move into to your backyard. Go there. I'm sorry you can't move into my backyard. You have to move into the house down the street. I'm so sorry. It's
0: like Right. That's I mean that's essentially what it is. Essentially <laughs> yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. Someone wants to someone wants to move into your garage.
1: Yeah.
0: And you're like, no, you can't live in my garage, but I tell you what, there's a house two houses down. Banded
1: house down the street.
0: Brand new, just been built, all the fixings. It's right. open, and yeah. guess what? It's free. Yeah. Just what, just sign your name on it. And that's it's
1: what, free. And that's what gets me about like when Cisco's sitting there and they're having that discussion with the Vedic and the the minister, and he's sitting there the whole time going like, "There's a planet. There's a great planet. I think you should think about." He the really planet. is. And it's he like, really
0: is. what like the whole time?
1: <laughs> and and so like the woman, like, she's like. She's kind of like hysterical. She's like, "No, but this is our planet, and like, there's no evidence for it. You just determined that because you did. You know, they they appointed you leader because you're just you were were the first one here, so you get to lead us now." Um, Yeah.
0: yeah, and you're uh, right though. Cisco, once again, the master of subtlety. He's just kind of sitting there, and he, oh. I mean, he says it a couple of times, but literally in that room, yes. you've got the the Bajoran minister, the Vedic sitting next to her. You've got Kira, Hanik, and a couple of their and the screen people. Right. And then you just have Cisco. He's the only uh, Starfleet officer in the room, and he's just sitting there, and he's like, "Don't forget, there's always Drayvon too."
1: Yeah, I just have and to he's, say, and it. he
0: just sits, and he just like like his whole. His whole uniform, his mannerism, everything—it's—he's basically just going, Draylon two, Draylon two,
1: <laughs> exactly, Draylon. Draylon <Yeah>. two, <laughs> yeah. you know—that's yeah. What's that would have him? been
0: the comedic version of the episode, is him just dancing around with a sign going. Yes.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know that would have been him. <laughs> yeah, how this. That's how the, uh, the the Family Guy version of this. Yes. Movie, like,
0: yes. That's the Family Guy version of the episode. Yeah. Right there.
1: By the way, you just talking about Avery Brooks in this. I was talking about him in this moment, and then being in the office reminds me of the first scene when Kira walks in, and I, Avery Brooks has a musical voice. That's what I've realized. His yeah. way he talks to her when he says like. I don't mind you argue. Oh, he's no, she, she says, I uh, he's he says, the last two days you've been screaming at your monitor. And she says, I thought I'd been talking in a like a, a, a subdued whisper. And he said, yeah. Your voice carries, or yeah, <laughs> your voice has a tendency to carry. And the way he says that line, it was great. <laughs> it's a subtle moment. I, I'm it's, telling uh, you,
0: I'm te- that is that is the one of the things about Avery Brooks that like. Keeps him as my my favorite captain because it's yes you he does it so well and you're you have to kind of watch and listen yeah. and it's like is is that a threat because it's almost like everything he says could be taken as a threat like yes or, is, you know and you're you're yeah. not quite sure yeah and then yeah is is he mad I don't know oh he's mad. <laughs> <Got> <laughs>
1: yeah, it. Like Dr. Bashir experienced yeah. that a couple episodes ago. Don't you ever interrupt me again. Um but yeah, or, he has like or, a uh, slight smirk. He's 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 holding the yeah. smirk back. like like when jake
0: when jake was imagining cisco when he was trying to get out of doing his homework remember when he had the if Uh wishes were horses yeah and then yeah and so then he's like do you really think and And he's like now do you really think i would buy that (laughs) no it was great yeah
1: yeah Avery brooks definitely kills it whenever he gets those chances to be that subdued version of himself yeah um but actually, I want to say, I think that the best scene in the whole episode was the one where Nog is in Odo's office, and then Court comes in to bail him out. That was hilarious. Nog is there looking at the screen, and he's like, oh, that one guy's in into illegal arms dealing. My uncle tells me there's a lot of property made there. Odo turns to him and says, what does your uncle know about illegal arms dealing? And he's like... Uh, what are you talking uh, about? <laughs> and, and then when Cork
0: comes in, yeah, he, he and, knows it. <laughs> Cuts yeah, him quark, right off. From, yeah, quark, saves it.
1: Yeah, but what's so great about that is he says, um, "So what do you say about all this?" Uh, I'm sorry. He, don't you see? He's absolutely distraught over <laughs> all this. It, he's it was beside hilarious. himself.
0: The boy's beside himself. <laughs> with exactly. Guilt. Yeah, that's exactly just... the line. That's exactly <laughs> the line.
1: The boy's beside himself with guilt, and then he says, um "And he's gonna be. He's gonna be punished severely. I will. I am. And you're yeah. gonna." and you're going to never do this again. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) It was a hilarious little moment. Um, Quark, it it, it just nails home that Quark, amongst all of the Ferengi, is just, he really should be Grand Nagus, because he is the most intelligent of them all. He really can manipulate the best of them. Or at least Nog and his father are are some of the dumbest.
0: (laughs) Once again, I mean, it's that whole doing so much with so little. Yeah. Quark and Odo both excel at that. We've noticed that from season one. Yeah. Those two characters, especially when they have to interact with each other, for however small the scene is, yes. they absolutely eat it up. They're great. They're great right. together. And and it works that they're on opposite sides of, of the law here because right. that that mixture when they have even these like a, even these small scenes, fantastic. And I right. also will give Quark credit when he breaks up the Screens fighting knock when they chase him down later yeah. on i was and, gonna say um, i mentioned this scene next yeah time. he comes in and he's he's so forceful which is uncharacteristic of quark and i was just like oh right. are you just doing that because they're kids right. so you don't have you don't feel threatened by kids because he definitely jumps right in there and right. it was an interesting take to see him with the whole like snarling and yeah. hissing at the kids and stuff mm-hmm. and i mean it's like again way to nail home that uh yeah you're aliens yeah no does
1: it too like yeah like, they, they hiss together Almost like cats. <laughs> but that's also the scene where um, where Quark expresses the most xenophobic sentiment in the yeah. episode. He yeah. says, "No one wants you here," uh, and that's where the boy says, "I don't want to be here either." And that's shortly after that he uh, he steals the the ship. Um, so yeah, Quark. And then, you know, in the beginning of the episode, Quark is in the bar and he's angry that the musician is distracting everyone from paying. And that he actually keeps track of his profits hour by hour. <laughs> yeah. It's 26 hours since I had any profits. So I'm gonna be going to go out of business soon. And everyone rolls their eyes. because like no one's coming for his bar. No one. No, as far as we know, no one wants to take it off his hands. But anyway. Um, yeah. Quark is the, as, as he always is, he's the, he's hilarious. He's the, a villain in the sense that he you know, our main cast, besides Quark, they're all, you know, part of the, the Federation or the, the Bajoran government or whatever, Yokira, know, and Odo and all them. Quark is this outsider, and he is allowed as the outsider to the rest of our cast to say and do the things that can initiate other things in the story, as we've seen many times before. And this is, I think that's another incident, in- incident of that here. Um, so, yeah. He, uh... He's the one who basically causes the final climax of the, of the, the episode. Yeah. Uh, and not, not necessarily directly, but it helps jumpstart that little conflict because of his xenophobic behavior. And of all the people on that ship who has, should be xenophobic, he should be the least one to say anything about it. Which again, just kind of goes
0: back to highlight the fact that, you know, the phrase, that's kind of what they were there for. They're, they're representing kind of a lower aspect of humanity, you know, they kind of embody all the things that we, that according to Gene Roddenberry, anyway, we hadn't as humans gotten rid of the negative qualities about ourselves. We hadn't evolved past yet. So him expressing himself this way, acting this way makes total sense. Right. You know? So, yeah. It works. It works. We don't like to see it. It does look kind of ugly. We don't think we've moved past it. But let's right. face it we we do these things. Right. We do these yeah. things. So, <sighs> standout performers of the episode. Who does it go to?
1: Um. I guess I'm gonna. Say, it's it's between it's between Avery Brooks as Cisco and Armin Shimerman as Quark for me. I think as I've just as I've just said it. Um. I think Kira is the one who once again is our kind of main character because again this is a bajoran station around mm-hmm. a, the bajoran planet and she's the bajoran character so she gets to have some of the more deep moments but cisco steals the show when he's on screen and Cork when well they're they're never on screen together as far as i remember so they each get their chance to steal the scene when it's their turn to be on screen so yeah yeah
0: okay and I'm not going to ask about who who didn't because there was so much going on and so many characters that we really just don't see a whole lot of because they just weren't they weren't necessary yeah. to this story. So there was no need to really have them. Yeah, O'Brien,
1: Bashir, and Dax got some small bits in the episode, but fairly minor overall.
0: Yeah, very very minor. So, but I, and I would agree. I think that you know, as much as Kira is present in this episode, things about her character it's not it's not a character driven episode. it's not about her development. This right. is about Bajor. Yes. So things about Kara kind of take a Kira not Kara wow <laughs> take a take a back seat things about Kira take a back seat as we're looking at world building for Bajor What's Bajor like? What's Bajor going through? what are they the people struggling with they're trying to we know there's a famine they're trying to feed their families. We know that there's some kind of political upheaval going on. Who is this new minister that we just that we just see? You right. know, that's the first time we've seen a new minister since Jaro. Right. So, you know, we, we know that there's political turmoil there. We've got this music this musician who clearly has a lot of influence. He's talking about Bajor reclaiming their cultural and spiritual faith. You know, right. there's a lot of stuff that's Bajor specific, not Kira specific. Right. So still important. Right. And so yes, I'm also gonna give it to um Avery Brooks here simply because I just feel like he does such a great job of kind of just being, at least in this episode, of offering a perfectly reasonable, perfectly sound alternative. And he does it in such a way that it's just like, guys, it was obvious the whole time. Like, you should have just done what he said. And the whole episode would have been, over, if right. as soon as they presented the planet, they said yes, we'll go there. Okay, now you would have had twenty extra minutes to right. talk about something else, or yeah. to see the, you know, that could have been a, a nice twist on the episode. Is like maybe they were initially focused on Bajor but then they see the planet and they're like, oh yes, we'll go there. They take them down to the planet and they immediately get to work, and we see their magical growing ability. And now all of a sudden, Kira, on behalf of the Bejorans, is having to barter for their techniques and technology to feed the bajoran people and they're like no we thought about going to you all but you you're not right for us so we're going to keep all of our stuff here that could have been an interesting twist to the episode and set up a new need to negotiate and gotten us more into bajoran politics a bit more what they could offer them and all that other kind of stuff
1: yeah or or i i mean i don't think we talked about this yet and it didn't get into the episode much either the fact that the bajorans have the, they're the immediately next to the wormhole. And so the fact that... Like, they could have had the argument that we can't accept you as refugees because we don't know how many other species will come through the wormhole with the same claim. And we got to stay here and now. This is never an option. We never accept yeah. refugees. If you want to come through this, the wormhole, you got to figure out your own way. Um, if, if the episode had been that they had gone to the planet, this other planet, and then they were successful there and suddenly all kinds of people are coming through the wormhole but they're totally bypassing the bajorans. Maybe the argument, maybe the episode could have been like maybe we should put like a toll on the wormhole. If they come through the wormhole you got to pay this bajoran's a tax to come through. Like honestly, if that ever becomes a part an episode, that would be fascinating. How right. does the Bajor, how do the bajorans suddenly start like oh it was the second episode of the show where the member of Kira's uh, group of terrorists, you know the the rebel fighters, yeah, that he wanted to blow up the wormhole to and we stop
0: aliens from coming through. That's right.
1: And we haven't really had any follow up on that storyline since. So, ah, I feel like this episode had a lot of. Ch- there was potential. There was lots of interesting oh, yeah. things to talk about, but whether the writing just never was able to get there, or, and I, I honestly again I would say. The first half of the episode, they distracted with the universal translator, didn't understand them, which there was never fully explained why it was suddenly not working properly or not working oh, fully.
0: It is it, explained. Um, well, they said o, that there's syntax
1: and their yeah. grammar, but every other time it's worked as far as we can tell instantaneously. Well, because
0: because it, the it's supposed to be that there are certain commonalities in language that eventually the the since the universal translator is programmed with every known language in the Federation database right Right. it's programmed with every single one of them so it's like Based upon that, any right. species that they come in contact with, they should be able to match up somewhere along the way with one of these bajillion other species. Right. This is the first time that they've come in contact with a species that apparently was so alien, Right. Um, it didn't work. Which kind of makes sense because they're coming from a whole other area of the galaxy. They're from the Gamma right. Quadrant. So it's like the, the Universal Translator is based on all the languages known so far in, in the, the Alpha, alpha Quadrant. quadrant. Right. And keep in mind, which has always fascinated me,
1: Right. They still have
0: not have not explored all of the Alpha Quadrant. There's, In fact, there was a statement on a, a TNG episode where they said that up to that particular point, only 19% of the entire Alpha Quadrant had right. been explored. Right. So now it's like, okay, you've only covered 19% of the Alpha Quadrant, your <laughs> home quadrant. Right. And y'all are over here messing in the Gamma Quadrant. I yeah. think you need to slow down. You need to learn right. how to walk <laughs> before you run. Right. You know, so here we, you know, and then, of course, we have the very ominous Dominion is lingering somewhere. Yeah. We know that they're, we knew that they were influential because the Dozai told us they were influential. Now we also know they're powerful. They destroyed a whole other empire that was already subjugating other people. Right. So they were clearly no slouches. They just got beat. So we know that the Dominion is powerful and we know that apparently they... If you track everything anyway, with first from the from the Dozi and how close they are to the wormhole, right. because again, Cork went there and came back, and right. now here you have the Screean people who have mentioned them. They're probably not too far away,
1: right? So, well, actually, I do want it. Actually, reminds me to think of this episode brings to the the idea that if the Cardassians were abusing the Bajorans, and these people were being abused by another party. Which was overthrown not because they like withdrew, and you know, like the Bajorans were aban- were left by the Cardassians. No, 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 these people are free to be refugees because another evil empire conquered the first evil empire. So that really yes. does give us a a mirror image situation and a reason to very be concerned about this Dominion group. Why are yes. they so powerful? Um, oh, I think there was something else I was thinking of saying, but. I know we're over time, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so one last thing I'd like to close out on before we actually do end here is right. about Tumac once again. This is a more behind-the-scenes thing that you would not know, but Tumac was played by Andrew Koenig, who is the son of Walter Koenig, our Mr. Pavel Chekhov from the original series. Oh, so okay. yes, that was this was one of his many young acting creds. He was actually Very featured nice. in a lot of different TV shows and, and things like that. Um but, uh, in his early career. Right. Um, you know, unfortunately, um Andrew did die. He uh committed suicide in February of twenty ten. So uh, oh. he's been dead for a little bit now. But um yeah, just wanted to let that be known out there. Tumac was played by Check off son.
1: The son of the so, original cast, or one of the yes. original cast. That's wow. Yes.
0: <sighs> well, Man. we've kind of gone there and back again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, as always, we enjoyed it, to say the least. And you guys can catch us next week when we'll be back to talk about another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Do you know which episode is coming up
1: next, David? Oh, I believe... Are you aware? I don't have it pulled up in front of me at the moment. Um, That's Okay.
0: I believe that it is. um, Let's see. um, Sorry. (laughs) I believe that it's the episode rivals. Um, Yes. That's what I'm
1: seeing now. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. So I have to admit, I'm not as big a fan of that episode as some of the others. So you may have to carry us along on that one. (laughs) All right. Um, I've, I've watched it. I just, don't really enjoy
1: it that much that's all okay well we got many more um, episodes to enjoy later on
0: that's right but until then guys as always you can follow us on twitter of course as the fire caves um you can also find us on facebook and you can listen to us on spotify or apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen to the podcast just look for the fire caves a star trek deep space nine podcast and you will find us until next time take care of yourselves
1: thanks guys